Now, there's a story in the Bible taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? It's a story about a man who is traveling on, the, on a dangerous road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Right? And there are usually robbers on this road. And as I just mentioned that, I'm sure the story has already come to mind to some of you. And I'm imagining this man who's traveling is carrying a heavy bag. And he's probably traveling during a period when it's getting a little bit dark, but it's not very dark. And then suddenly, I imagine a group of men hiding behind some rocks, perhaps, jump out at him. They beat him up. They take everything he has. And they leave him fighting for his life. And as he's lying there on the verge of death, he sees the best person he can ever wish for to see at this moment. He sees a priest going to the temple, a servant of the people. And we imagine our injured man at this moment is filled with tears of hope. Help has finally arrived. But to his shock, the priest just walks on. He pretends the man is not there. But then, after some minutes, another man comes along. This time, it's a Levite. A person who assists the priests. So perhaps he's got more time. Priests are usually busy. But then, he also just walks around him. Now, I imagine the man at this point is asking himself, isn't it? What is happening here? Why is this happening to me? Why won't these people lift a finger to help me? I am dying here. Perhaps I'll become invisible. And then his anguish multiplies. Because he sees a third man coming. The only problem is that this is the last person he wants to see. Because this man is a foreigner. This man is a Samaritan. An enemy of his people, the Jews. And the two groups don't get along at all. But to his surprise, the Lord Jesus tells us, the Samaritan stops. He puts a bandage on him. He cleans his wounds. And then he puts him on the back of his donkey mobile, as it were. And off they go to the nearest hotel. And he says to the owner, please give this dear man the best medical care you've got here. I will pay the full cost, no matter the price. Now, this story is told by the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to verse 37. And it has been called the parable, of course, of the Good Samaritan. And it is loved by many people, even non-Christians. Why is it loved by people? I think it's because the story touches every human heart. And it touches every human heart because there's something within us, within each one of us, that longs to be valued and cared for by people around us. We recognize there are many situations when we find ourselves needing help from other people, just like our injured man. And we want to live in a world where people don't abandon us, we want to live in a world where people look upon us with kindness and compassion. Even when we don't deserve it. Even when they should consider us as their enemy. 
And yet, as the parable of the Good Samaritan shows us, as human beings, even though we long for that, we ourselves do not find it easy to be kind and compassionate to one another. You know in your heart, as you sit here this morning, that you are often cold, harsh, unfeeling, uncaring, mean, unsympathetic, and insensitive towards people around you. Especially people who are very close to you. The most people we are most horrible to are people in our families, even. In our churches. And this is true even for us who know God. We are often like the priest and the Levite. We know what God expects of us. He expects us to be kind and compassionate. But we are not always like that. You know you should be more generous with your time, your money, your gifts. You know that people who are unfriendly to you also need your kindness and compassion. You know you walk around more like a judge than a grace-filled believer. You treat others like you believe in karma rather than believe in the grace of Christ. And you know there are people... Specific people you're not particularly kind to. You know that. Even as I speak, you can think of people who are a bit difficult and you struggle to be kind to them. Now, you're not always doing evil to them, but you're also not doing good to them. In fact, you know as a person, you do not actively think about even growing in kindness and compassion. When was the last time you thought, I need to grow in this area? Kindness and compassion is difficult for us, even those who profess faith in Christ. And the Lord Jesus, of course, telling that parable, focused on particularly the contrast with those who should know better. Why do we find it hard to be kind and compassionate? Now, many people would say it's because that's how we were raised. Others may say, it's just a phase sometimes we go through in life. Sometimes we are compassionate, sometimes we are not. Depends. Now, I think there's some truth in all of that. But the Bible says the fundamental reason we are unkind and uncompassionate is that we have a sinful nature. There is a root of self-centeredness in each one of us. Now, I know the world says you're a good person. And to a degree, that is true. You have people who like you. <laughs> I like all of you. <laughs> so, I must see some good in you, right? And others people see good in you. But even though you do good things, the Bible says all human beings are born with a sinful nature. There is an inner Software, we might say, moral software, that has become corroded with sin. And it is the sin in you that makes you selfish, self-centered, unsympathetic. But the good news of the Bible is that when we repent and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what happens is that God gives us a new heart. 
And this new earth now is capable of being kind to other people. Now, I am not saying Christians can be perfectly kind. Rather, what I mean is that all true followers of Jesus have a new capacity to grow every day in kindness and compassion. You are not condemned if you are in Christ to a life of unkindness and meanness. You have a new nature that can grow in kindness and compassion. And the Apostle Paul makes this very point in the passage we are currently exploring in Colossians. Please look with me there at Colossians chapter 3. Um, cast your eyes there on verse 9. I'll read from verse 9 to verse 12 for context. Paul says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all, and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul is saying to them here, to these followers of Jesus, you need to put off the filthy clothes of sin. Those sins that are damaging your new life in Christ together. Get rid of them. And start putting on new clothes. The clothes of the Holy Spirit, we might say. Put on this new goodness that will help you treat each other well because you are now together a brand new humanity in Christ. Now, in verse 12 to 15, Paul describes how we should treat one another as a new humanity in Christ, as a new family in Christ. And he also gives us more reasons why we should live like that. The reasons are in the first part of verse 12 there. We are chosen, we are holy, we are beloved. And we looked at those uh, when we last were in Colossians. We've looked at them in detail. Well, today I want to start looking now on how we should treat each other. Right? And this morning we are looking at having compassion and kindness towards one another. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts and kindness. The key point Paul is, is teaching us, which I want us to learn, is that we are to be compassionate and kind to each other. Be compassionate hearted and kind to people around you. Poison. Now let's just look at these two things in, in turn. Being compassionate hearted and being kind. What is a compassionate heart? Well, the original word is bowels of mercy. It is mercy from the gut. Or mercy from the inside. The emphasis that Paul is making here with this phrase, compassionate heart, is that it is about what we are inside. Our disposition. The inner attitude of our hearts to each other. Paul is saying to the Colossians and us, don't just show mercy to each other here and there. I want 
you to have that mercy for others that come from a warm heart inside. Your compassions need to be who you are, not just what you do. Let the bottle of your heart be filled with the waters of compassion to the brim. That's essentially what Paul is saying. Have a compassionate heart. How does a person with a compassionate heart look like? Well, she is moved or touched by the needs and conditions of people around her. You know, people used to speak of the compassion of Mother Teresa. Do you remember that, some of you? They meant that she was internally moved by the suffering of the poor and sick in India. You know, there are images of Mother Teresa holding destitute and dying people. She was not repelled by the squalor of feces and vomit and blood. She touched the people. A compassionate person, you see, somehow sees herself in the suffering of others. It is as if she's the one suffering. And she wants to do something about it. And you know, as I was thinking about this, I realized that young children... Because they are not yet fully hardened by sin, they are sinners, but not fully hardened by sin, actually have soft and compassionate hearts. And they become deeply affected by what they see. When I am walking my daughter and Abigail and she sees someone sleeping on the Broadway, she's troubled by it. She wants to do something about it. And so she will mention it when we are walking back. And then she'll be quiet about it. And then when we get home, after a few hours, she'll bring up the subject of the man who is sleeping rough. Why is he sleeping like that? It's just not something the church can do to help him. Can we do something to help him? And then she'll pause. Then perhaps the day after, she'll say, perhaps a space can be created here. Could we build something? The subject goes on. Right? She, that subject stays on her. And the reason she's asking that is because as a young child, not yet fully hardened by sin, she still has that soft heart of compassion in her inner heart. She doesn't have that. She has an inner disposition that yearns to show kindness to others. Now, over time, it hardens by sin. And so there'll be a time in her life, I hope not, when she walk and she won't be as troubled by it, which is sad. Because we want remain like that. Now, the point I'm making is that it is the inner disposition of compassion in our heart that yearns, that drives us to want to do something about it, to show compassion, kindness to others. And so there's a link here between having a compassionate hearted and being kind. And that explains why Paul puts these words next to each other in verse 12. Do you see that? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness comes next. What is kindness? Well, kindness is actually a compassionate heart in action. Our external kindness reveals our internal compassion. True kindness is an active response to our feelings, to our compassionate feelings towards others. You can't be compassionate without showing kindness. 
You can't just say, I'm a compassionate person, but you never do any acts of kindness. You don't know if you are compassionate until you do kind actions. Because true kindness, you see, is an active response to feelings of compassion. And also it is true that you can't show true biblical kindness without first having a true compassionate heart. You know, many people do wonderful acts of kindness. But their actions are worthless to God. Because they do not come from a true compassionate heart. I don't, I don't just mean that they are virtue signaling. Or simply they are doing it as part of catharsis, a self-healing process. There are many people who spend time, people are suffering, but they are not there because they are compassionate. It's just catharsis. They identify with that. It's part of their own healing. A bit like Harry says, writing spare. It's a healing process, he says. Now, I don't mean that in this case, that these people's kindness doesn't matter because it's catharsis or virtue signaling. I mean it is worthless because the heart itself from which the kindness may proceed from is corroded by sin. Because true kindness comes from a heart of compassion. And because it comes from a heart of compassion, it it must come from a regenerated heart. God must give us a new heart to be truly kind. He must give us a new heart for God himself to appreciate the kindness that flows from that new heart. God must first make us born again or alive before God, before our actions of compassion can matter to God. All human hearts are born dead in sin. We first need God to breathe new life in us. And that new life comes with a new compassionate heart that stands right before God. God looks at the heart, not the outside actions and things we do. So if our kindness is going to have an impact and commend ourselves before God or be valued by God, God must first give us a new heart, a new compassionate heart. So let me ask you, has God given you, as you sit here this morning, a new heart? Have you repented of your sin and trusted in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you done that? If you have not done that, then you do not yet have a new heart. And that means that any kindness you show others, even the wonderful things, is worthless to God. Imagine that. All the good you do is worthless before God. Because in this main thing, you have not sorted it out. You have not yet received a new heart. And it also means you cannot really grow in true compassion and kindness. You may have shades of compassion, but you do not have a new humanity of Christ that has this capacity to grow in true biblical compassion and kindness. If that is your situation, I plead with you right now to go before God. Repent of your sin. Ask God to give you a new heart and to forgive your sin so that the good you do can be worth it before God. Now, if you're truly born of God, the wonderful thing is, even your small act of kindness is valued by God. 
Because it is produced by a heart that has been changed by God. And now Paul is saying to you as a believer, keep growing in this true kindness. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts and kindness. Paul is saying, keep growing in this true kindness that flows from a new compassionate nature you have in Christ. Oh, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, is full of compassion and kindness. And we read about it throughout the gospel, don't we? Here is one example, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I'll read it for you. Mark chapter 6, verse 32 to 34. There's this incident of the Lord Jesus with the crowd. The crowd that gathered around him. And it says this in Mark chapter 6. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, Jesus and the disciples. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And then he says this, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You know, when Mark tells us here in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, that Christ is moved with compassion. In the original language, it literally means his guts are wrenched. Christ has entered their pain as he sees the crowd. He is in their shoes. Christ is not having pity. That is too condescending. He is not having sympathy. That is too superficial. Christ is not even having empathy. That's distant. Christ is feeling for them compassion. What Christ is feeling for them is not just mind for mind or even heart for heart. It is stomach for stomach, blood for blood, gut for gut. He is moved by them. Imagine going to see a GP who not only feels your physical pain, but also feels your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. That is Christ here in Mark 6, verse 34. He is the doctor who feels the patient's pain. Christ our God has a heart full of compassion and kindness. He listens and feels for whatever situation you're going through right now. Because even now, he remains fully human in heaven. And the Bible tells us that the kindness of Christ is the very kindness of God to us. Christ is our compassionate God dressed in our human flesh. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 6. We've read this at the prayer meeting uh, last Sunday, last uh, Wednesday. This past Wednesday, I'll just read it again. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 6 says this. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. We were unkind, 
hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Bible is saying, the Apostle is saying to Titus, we see the compassion and kindness of God powerfully demonstrated on the cross where Jesus Christ died for our sins. What does the death of Christ on that cross teach us about the compassion and kindness of God in Christ? Just three things. First, it teaches that God has a saving kindness to you. A serving kindness to you. Christ died on that cross to save you from the wrath and judgment of God. He did that by paying the price for your sin. On the cross, God punished Christ in your place. There's no greater kindness that anyone can do for us than rescue us from the very wrath and judgment of God. From spending eternity in hell. Christ did that on the cross. Christ is our kind savior. Secondly, the cross teaches us that God has a merciful kindness to us. Not just a serving kindness, but a merciful kindness to you. Our Lord saved us not because of anything done by us. Did you pick that up when Paul says... But, he's, but when the kind, goodness and kind, loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us, but according to his own mercy. It was all by his mercy. We do not save ourselves. No one does. You cannot save yourself. We cannot qualify for heaven based on anything we do in this world. We cannot even do 1% of what God demands of us. But thank God we don't have to. Whilst we're still dead in our sins, the Lord Jesus died for us. He showed us merciful kindness. As the hymn we just sang says, Yes, I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Not knowing it was for me, he died on Calvary. And then the hymn writer goes, didn't he? Or she, I didn't pick up the tell you whether it's a he or she. The hymn writer goes on, you can check it for yourself, 603. Mercy there was great, the hymn writer says. And grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Merciful Kindness. So there's serving kindness we see on the cross. Merciful kindness on the cross. And finally we see the life changing kindness on the cross. The death of Christ not only forgave us our sins. But he gave us new life with God. All true Christians have been regenerated. 
Regeneration is the inward work of God the Holy Spirit that gives a lifeless sinner new and eternal life. The kindness of Christ on that cross makes us entirely new people. We are no longer what we once were if we trust in Jesus. We have been forgiven and given a new life in Christ. And of course, that's only the beginning. The loving kindness of Christ will never end. Because there's a third thing, a fourth thing I should say. It is an eternal kindness. We shall enjoy God forever for all eternity. We shall bask in his compassion and kindness. What is a true Christian, beloved? What is a true Christian? How would you define what a true Christian is? According to what we are learning here, a true follower of Christ is a person who can say honestly to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, you have been so kind to me. You have served and changed me by your loving kindness and compassion. You have given me a new heart and a new life with you forever. I do not just come to church because I have to. I am here today because I love you. You are my compassionate and kind God. My Lord and Savior. They can say with a modern hymn writer, Graham Kendrick, Lord, you have been good to me all my life, all my days. Your loving kindness never fails. New every morning, Graham says, new every morning is your love. Filled with compassion from above. Grace and forgiveness, full and free. Lord, you've been good to me. That's Graham and Martin Smith, I believe. And it is true, isn't it? It is because, indeed, we are true Christians who know this kindness of God, even in the deepest affliction. It is because we've been changed by this kindness of God. That is why Paul, going back to Colossians chapter 3 verse 12, says that. Put on them, Paul says, as God's chosen ones. Who have experienced this kindness of God. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts and kindness. He's saying to them and us, you now belong to God in Christ, was now lavished you with his serving, merciful, life-changing, eternal kindness. So show it. Live it out. Show serving kindness to others. If we are borrowing from what Paul says in Titus. I don't mean be their savior. I mean show people the greatest kindness by sharing Christ with them. What is the greatest kindness you as a parent can show your children? Put Christ before them. What is the greatest kindness you can show your neighbor? Put Christ before them. What is the greatest kindness you can show your friends? Put Christ before them. There are many things you can do to show kindness. But this is the most kind thing we can do, which is to preach the gospel. And to pursue people. To show them the gospel of Christ. Let your heart of compassion break for their salvation. So show serving kindness to others. Also show them merciful kindness. Show followers of Jesus in your life merciful kindness. 
Show people in this church merciful kindness. Don't just be kind to people who deserve it, who are kind to you. Be kind to the most unlikable among us. Do not avoid them. Do not try and say, I need to protect my heart. Let your heart break for them. God in Christ showed you compassion when you fully hated him. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness. That's the grace you've received. And that's the grace you are to show. You know, it is easy to divide the church between those who deserve our kindness and those who don't. Don't do it, says Paul. Christ is in all of you, he says. Be kind to all. So, move yourself to the weak, the difficult, the rude. Give yourself to care for them with compassion without expecting anything in return. That's compassion and kindness. That's merciful kindness. And of course, show life-changing kindness towards others. Seek to make a deep spiritual change in the life of people around you. Invest in their souls for eternity. When you wake up every day, think about who can I do some spiritual good today? Who can I get alongside with to read the Bible with? Who can I pray regularly? That's spiritual kindness. And of course, show material kindness as well. Care for the souls and also care for the body. Because that's what Jesus shows us, isn't it? The Bible tells us in Acts 10, Christ went about doing good to everyone because God was with him. Now, that is the essence of what Paul is saying to us here. Be growing being kind from a new heart that is shaped by the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Show serving, merciful, life-changing kindness to people around you. Now, how are we doing on time? If you, are, if you are with me, right, you are thinking, I want to be like that. I really want to grow in this area. I want to grow in compassion and kindness. I know I have not arrived yet. And I will never arrive in this life. There's a lot more to do to grow in this area. So where do I start? Well, with a few minutes we've got left. Let me just give you three steps which are on your outline. That would help you. Right? The first step. The first step to grow in kindness is to pray. It's to pray. Remember, these are fruits of the Holy Spirit. All of these things we're going to look at. We're going to look at them, by the way, one by one, all of this. Whether it's humility or meekness or patience or peace or love. These are fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to grow in these things, we need to pray to God to grow us in them. Prioritize praying for three things. Pray for three things. First, pray that God will make you see 
and feel the need to grow in kindness and compassion towards others. You very today this morning, and perhaps you're, you're going to live here, I hope, feeling this is an area you need to grow in. But you're going to forget when Monday comes and you bump into someone at work who's just being rude to you. By Wednesday, it's not even going to be a subject. And by God's grace, I know some of you are very diligent in taking notes. That's a good thing. Because if you're not taking notes in church, you forget easily. So take notes, review them on Wednesday, pray through them. Hopefully, your forgetting will be less, right? But for some of you, I pity you, you have no notes. <laughs> so by my Monday is gone. I know you might revisit the sermon, but the notes will prompt you to revisit the sermon. Uh, you, won't be prompt, you won't prompt yourself to revisit the sermon. So take the notes, but the main point is pray. Pray that God will make you feel the need to grow in kindness and compassion towards others. Pray that God will make you more sensitive to the suffering and struggles of people around you. Uh, that you'll be broken by it. It's so easy to become addicts. Secondly, pray for God to make you willing to endure the cost of growing in kindness and compassion. I think this is a hard thing. We struggle to be kind and compassionate because we know the cost is high. It's death to self. So pray that God would make you willing to endure the cost. Finally, the third thing you need to pray for is that pray specifically for that person you know even now you are prone to struggle to be unkind. For some of us, it is easy. It's our husband or the wife. That's easy. (laughs) Or our children, a specific child perhaps. Well, make that a priority. Pray for that. So those are the three prayer points. That's it. You should write them down. You might forget them. You will forget them. The second, that's step number one. Step number two, keep reminding yourself who you already are in Christ. Remember who you are in Christ. You need to keep reminding yourself. And this is why verse 12 in Colossians chapter 3 starts with those indicatives. Look at verse 12. It, dis- it first describes who we are. It says, put on then. Why? As God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. In other words, he's saying, this is, this, remember these things. If you don't remember these th- three things, you're going to struggle to grow in, you're going to struggle to grow in being compassionate and kind. Right? Keep reminding yourselves that because God chose you before the foundation of the world, you are secure in him. And you've been lavished grace by him. God was kind and compassionate to you before you were formed. He was good to you from eternity past. He has and will always be good to you. And he's like this to you, not because you deserve it, but just by his rich grace and mercy. Meditate on his goodness to you from eternity past. In choosing you. Uh, and, and as you do that, you grow in compassion and kindness towards others who don't deserve it. The doctrine of election is key here to grow us in compassion and kindness. And knowing it and loving it and meditating on it. Secondly, keep reminding yourself that because you are a true Christian, you are now holy and set apart. You have been set apart in what sense? To be like Christ. That's what holy means, set apart. Christ is compassionate and kind, and you've been set apart to be kind and compassionate like Christ. 
Remind yourself that this is your true nature. God here isn't commanding you something you are not. He's commanding you to be who you are. This is your identity. Kindness and compassion. Because Christ is kind and compassionate and you are in Christ. Secondly, keep reminding yourself that because you are a true Christian, you are beloved by God. And his love is enough to satisfy you every day. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved. You know, the more more you remember that you are loved by God, the more you'll be kind and compassionate to others. Why? Because you won't see it as a loss to you. You will never lose by being like Christ. Because you are chosen, beloved, and holy in him. No matter how much you sacrifice for Christ, your life will always be full. You are never at a loss because you are his chosen, holy, and beloved. So that's the second step. Remind yourself of who you are. And just take those three things in verse 4. And the third and final step. Well, perhaps it's not the final step, but as far as I'm concerned, it's the final step. The third and final step. In growing in compassion and kindness, to keep reminding yourself how growing compassion and kindness benefits you. Now, let us be very clear that the glory of God should be enough motivation for us to grow in kindness and compassion. It should be enough for you that you being kind and compassionate brings glory to God. That should motivate you enough. And yet our God is so kind and compassionate, isn't it? As we live for his glory, our joy in life also increases. And so God has given us commands that appeals to our self-interest at one level. He has given us commands that are good for us. In the Bible, we often find, do this and this for me, because this is going to be blessed to you. That's grace. God doesn't have to do that. That's grace. God, by his grace, motivates our obedience by reminding us that our obedience benefits us. Even though his glory should be sufficient reason for us to just live for him. But God is kind and he's simply stating the truth. The things he does for us are for our good as well. They're for his glory and for our good. So follow God's pattern. And there's no shame in reminding yourself why kindness and compassion is good for you. Remind yourself that growing in compassion makes you more like Christ. That's good. It is good because Christ is the happiest man alive. Do you want to be happy? Grow to be like Christ. Kindness and compassion makes you more like Christ. And the more you're like Christ, the happier you get. You should want to be like Christ because you should want your own happiness. Remind yourself that growing in kindness grows your assurance that you are really a child of God. Sometimes we doubt we are true Christians. But as we grow in compassion and kindness, we see that that is God at work in us. And it assures us that we belong to God. Why is assurance a good thing? Well, apart from making us more joyful and peaceful, well, our assurance grows our prayer life. And the more we pray in faith and trust in God, the more God answers our prayers. You ask. You, you don't receive because you don't ask. And when you ask, you ask doubtingly. 
but assurance grows faith and it brings results when we pray. And of course, the more we grow in compassion and kindness, the more God works through us to minister to his people. Compassion and kindness grows your capacity to minister for God to the world around you. And you know what? The more you minister for God, the more God blesses you through it. The more you are kind to others, the more you experience the kindness of God. Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, we might even say, with the kindness you use, it will be measured back to you. Yes, God is compassionate and kind to us all the time. But listen to this. God is good to us all the time, but the depth of how we experience his goodness grows as we grow in being good to others. That's what the Lord Jesus is saying. Just as Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, that God, who gives grace to us in Christ, gives us more grace when we are more humble before him. God gives grace to the humble. So those are the three steps to grow in kindness. Pray to God to help you grow in it. And I shared with you those three things. Keep reminding yourself of who you are in Christ. And there are three things. Chosen, holy, and beloved. Remind yourself of those things. And finally, keep reminding yourself that these fruits are good for you. And as you grow in compassion and kindness, you will grow in happiness in Christ. Amen.